Hello. Welcome to the Daily Cron for Wednesday, March 6th, 2019. I'm your host, Stephen Tolton, and today I wanted to begin with a little update to my seemingly never-ending septic adventure. <laughs> so, last we checked, which was yesterday, I lost my key card. Got a new key card, and was trying to figure out how to get my monthly pass put onto a new key card. Because you can't do it through the website, can't do it over the phone. Apparently, you can only do it in person, but only in certain places. And I couldn't quite figure out where to go. So, I actually know now where I have to go. Unfortunately, can't do it at 30th Street. Can't do it, you know, at one of the normal stops I would be going on uh, if I take the train down. So, that's unfortunate. So, it means I got to buy a paper pass. I got to go downtown. Then I got to, like, I guess, make my way to one of the offices. Uh, I think one's at 15th Street or something. Maybe I can do that one. But anyway, I, I had to get, find the list of what the major SEPTA sales locations are because I wasn't really sure what they were. I went to the SEPTAKey.org fact, and I couldn't figure it out from there. But uh, I do now have a list because the SEPTA key, you know, social media people actually reached out to me. Turns out they listened to this podcast. So, hi. <laughs> and they uh, they reached out to me on Twitter today, and they actually... Uh, they talked to me, and, and they gave me a link directly to the SEPTA.org uh, fact that had uh, had the locations of, of where the sales offices are. Because, I mean, maybe this is just really common knowledge to people who are, like, riding in the city and all, but I have literally never needed to go to a major sales office before. Uh, so I had no idea where they were. And, you know, I thought 30th Street was a major sales office, but it doesn't count. So <clears throat> whatever. I now know where I have to go. It's still annoying that I have to go out of my way to do this, but I'm just happy that I have reliable information. And uh, I just want to say that consistently, my my very best customer support experiences with SEPTA are with the social media groups. You guys um, are just the best. Uh, I like to imagine that they're they're like in their own little war room and they have big screens on the walls. And they're just looking at all the angry tweets coming in all the time about SEPTA key or SEPTA, uh, you know, trains being down or the subway being out. And they just, they see the tweets and they have like some algorithm that's, uh, you know, uh, color coding them by, you know, outrage level so they can jump on the right one. Obviously, that's not how, that's not what's happened. Probably they're sitting there with a computer in like some dusty cubicle somewhere in in downtown Philly. I, I have no idea. but. uh they uh they are doing just phenomenal work uh however their actual workspace is set up and i much appreciate it i really do i must be such a pain in the butt for them though because it's not like i did this on purpose i didn't set out to just start complaining about septic all the time i just happened to run into these issues and i'm kind of a cranky person by nature and uh you know here we are today with like five or six episodes of podcasts that are talking about Septiki. But uh, truly, I mean, I started actually talking about it on the podcast because uh, I couldn't find this information. Like, even if it's there, like, I couldn't find it. And that's, uh, you know, maybe my own search deficiencies or something. But I couldn't find a lot of information or information seemed confusing to me or, or you know, whatever. And so I just started talking about it. And uh, and uh, I'm glad that someone was listening. Uh, because... I've gotten other good feedback, not just uh, from the very helpful SEPTA social people, but people in my community who have had a lot of questions about SEPTA key, and uh, they've been appreciated. They've been appreciative, appreciative that I have been going through the pain and suffering of dealing with these edge cases and the rough edges for the regional rail people, so they don't have to. 
So you're welcome, everybody. Uh, so I, I'll, long story short, I'm going to end up going downtown and getting this fixed uh, probably this week, you know, uh, early, early next week. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, it's just, uh, I'm glad though that the, that my, uh, my feedback is actually being passed along. I was told that this, the stuff does. So if you, when you talk to the social media people from SEPTA, like they listen, if you, uh, have feedback about like their products, like their apps or the information on the website or whatever, they, they do pass that along to people. It's not like, I mean, they, they told me they do that and I have no reason to doubt them because they seem like very fine people. Uh, so, you know, I guess just try to be nice to the online support people um, or in just in general support people. I used to do tech support, so I usually am not too much of an a-hole <laughs> to support people uh, because, uh, you know, I know it's a hard, hard job and uh, it's not easy. It's, it's never easy, but I don't know. The, the SEPTA support is just great. And I just want to give another shout out. Just be nice to them. Follow follow a SEPTA social and follow SEPTA key, and you get up to date on uh, all kinds of SEPTA SEPTA stuff going on. And and if you need to talk to them uh, about a question about SEPTA key or SEPTA in general, yeah, totally reach out to them on the social medias. It, I mean, it works. They're great people, and they'll get back to you quickly. And they're very professional. And they, I think, most importantly of all, they know what the heck they're talking about. I mean, honestly, I've literally gotten contradictory information from from non like customer support people, you know, other other employees uh, uh, of SEPTA as I've gone through the system and I've asked them like the same questions about SEPTA key or about something else about SEPTA related, and I've literally gotten contradictory information. But the whatever the information source that the social media people have, it's accurate. So trust what they say. Uh, so moving on from that though, it kind of uh, it, it made me think about a topic for tonight: the power of podcasting, because. Uh, I think we're in a golden age of podcasting right now, and the the power of the medium is that you can just sit here like I'm doing in my apartment. I can record my, you know, maybe not so radio-friendly voice, and I can put it out there in the world, and I can reach people. So, you know, the SEPTA employees listen to this, and I, I appreciate that. But beyond that, I mean, I have... I don't have a lot of followers, but I have people in my community who have gotten back to me and listened to it. I have people in my like developer group uh, who have listened and given me really good feedback about various topics, uh, and that's really gratifying. There is real power in sharing, uh, you know, all kinds of stories and information in this medium. I mean, there's lots of ways that you can publish content, as they say, on the internet. But there's something about podcasting in particular that I think is special. And as long as someone who knows a lot of podcasters, uh, fairly big podcasters in the, like at least the tech space. And I've been listening to uh, various kinds of podcasts for many, many years since long before podcasting was a, was a, a word that anybody knew when uh, we were still arguing about whether it should be called podcast or like netcast. But uh, as someone who's listened to that, I mean, I can tell you that the thing that was always really special about podcasting to me is that you really do feel like you have a personal connection to the person you're talking to. I think it's the same reason people like talk radio. But with podcasting, you're getting a lot of uh, very small creators, uh, individuals like myself, small teams, uh, small networks, and you can find a podcast for any topic uh, you want. And even if you don't have a lot of listeners, uh, you can still make an impact. As I said, I've been getting 
great feedback. I got some good feedback, and not even just from people local to me, like from around the world. I got some good feedback from someone in the UK about uh, some Tech Tuesday reviews I did. I just recently got some feedback from uh, a fellow Philly Coca member who was actually responding to my cancer episode a few a few back, where I shared a story from my experiences uh, with uh, testicular cancer. And, uh, you know, and I've shared that story before in another medium, like on Facebook years ago, and also got similar, similar feedback. Like, you know, there's, it's, it's, podcasting is a way that you can express yourself and you can connect with people in a way that I think is more personal and sometimes more impactful than even really well-written prose. You know, people, uh, there's just something about hearing the voice of someone you know, talking to you through your AirPods, because you have AirPods, right? Because they're awesome. We have, we have a whole discussion about that. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I've been getting I've been getting good feedback, and I was checking my stats before this one, this episode, and I have some listeners from the UK, from apparently from Japan, Germany, Canada, and all over the place. I mean, most people are from Pennsylvania, but also from, like, California, some other states. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I have a small following. I'm hope to grow but even if it never grows very big and i don't expect this particular podcast to ever be huge it's kind of too scattershot at the moment i think to really build an audience but uh the people i am reaching are the people that are important to me in my local community my friends uh my family uh you know people that i you know would uh, interact with regularly or that are in my small geographic area and and uh that's fine with me and we'll see. I mean, as as I said, most of the reason I was doing this was to learn the ropes. Uh, I'm just really I'm happy that I'm actually reaching some people at the same time. But that leads me into my next point: that now is a very you know interesting time for podcasting. As I said, I think it's the golden age of podcasting. We have so many podcasts available, so many different topics made by so many different levels of creators, from huge businesses down to individuals, uh, you know, in their bedroom, and. I touched on this before, but there is a lot of change happening in the business of podcasting right now. So most recently, I was reading that uh, this company, this startup called Luminary, is vying to be the Netflix of podcasts, and they are going to do this by having a subscription service that where it's like $8 a month, and they have a whole bunch of exclusive content that you'll only be able to access through their app. And you know some of the I think some of the uh, some of the interesting the interesting content in here oh, we got I'm on their website now checking out their shows they have I don't even I don't even know who these people are Adam Davidson from the creator Planet Money someone on there we have a uh, oh man I don't know they have a lot of they have a lot of podcasts on here. But they announced some some new exclusive ones, and I think it's something like forty of them or something they're gonna have. They have, uh, yeah, over forty ad free, as they say. You have to use their podcast app to access it. It's not all out yet, but it will be. And you know, I can see why. And I, I hear I hear Spotify is also doing a similar thing. They have some exclusive podcasts, and this is an obvious direction that uh that some of the larger like you know vc backed companies would want to do because 
it seems like a great way to make money because Netflix is huge. It worked in video. Why not do it in audio? And, you know, I don't want to root against any podcast creators necessarily, but I feel like this is not the direction that I, I hope becomes the norm for podcasting because what I think makes it special is the fact that it is such a distributed and widely, you know, varied medium. It reminds me of the early and the the peak days of blogging, where you had all kinds of blogs, and you had, you know, individuals who were huge in the space, and you also had big companies doing it too. But the beauty was that blogs, just like podcasts today, were a distributed medium. The problem came when social media took over everybody's attention, and blogging declined as people started tweeting and posting on Facebook and other social media avenues, there were walled silos themselves. And it really, uh, the blogging is still alive and well, but it's not, I think, to the level of uh, degree it was before, the level of impact it was before, at least not in like the general public consciousness. And I'm afraid this, that things like Luminary, these exclusive deals are going to splinter the community as well. Now, it's possible that there's plenty of room for all of these models to exist. But I'm concerned because now, if you're an independent podcaster, it's possible to make money doing this. Um, not this kind of podcast, <laughs> but but like you know, I know people who make money on podcasting. They have very, uh, they've like topic focused podcasts that they've grown over the years, and they're they're polished, but they're not like NPR level polished. Uh, and some of them are really long, some of them are shorter. So there's variety there. But the the point is, it's like made by one or two people, three people most, you know. And they make some money. Sometimes they make a significant amount of money, at least enough to be like a significant part of income. And that's uh, that I think is great. But I'm afraid that if if the these types of more exclusive walled garden approaches catch on, it's going to really undermine the uh, money available for independent podcasters because primarily they make their money from from advertising, you know, from sponsorship deals. And, you know, uh, related kind of to this stuff is NPR has been pushing this RAD standard, which they call, what does RAD stand for? RAD stands for Remote Audio Data. And so the idea there is, uh, along with this push to do subscriptions, you, you've, you've heard a lot of rumblings for a long time now that, uh, you know, publishers want more analytics data. So right now, if you're not aware, basically when you download a podcast, the you're downloading it from some podcast host, like mine's Fireside, and at most, they could get maybe the IP address. Like they can tell some information. They can tell, for instance, like where, where you're downloading from based on IP address information, but they can't tell like who you are necessarily. You know, I mean, I guess you could try to, to link up IPs, but... But, you you know, you can't tell anything really about – you can't even tell if someone listened to the podcast because all you know is that a download happened or a play happened. They try to count that if it's, like, on the on a website and you hit the play button for the streaming, you know, uh, website app. You'll That will count as, like, a download, but that's about it. So if you are trying to get sponsorship for a podcast, you're basically saying, here are my download numbers. You can't even tell who, who subscribes because you can't accurately estimate subscribers. So that's how it is now. And if publishers want more data, it's kind of understandable, especially advertisers want more data because just, just look at the web. The web is 
all about uh, rather intrusive means of gathering <laughs> information about you, tracking you, and then serving up ads to you that that uh, they hope well, you'll you'll click on. And the RAD standard is not designed to do that. The the RAD standard is supposed to just allow you essentially to um, add tags, kind of audio tags into your stream. So at certain points, a podcast player is supposed to detect this and say, okay, and send like this information to an endpoint. So you're supposed to be able to, it'll, it would allow you to do things like keep track of how many listens make it past a particular point in a podcast. You know, how many people like list, skip the commercials or, um, you know, like on YouTube, for instance, you can get information like how, the percentage of play of in a video. So if most people get 70% of the way through your video, you can know that. So you can know, like, are people seeing my ads or not? You know, where, so you could do, if they want to do that for podcasting, they need to have information about the actual play experience, which is not available now. But the problem with this is it's, it's a pretty straightforward thing where the app makers would have to implement the standard and then it would ping to a URL that the publishers would give you. So like the publisher of the podcast would have this URL and then the app has to ping this information at certain points whenever the tags happen. Okay. But the problem with that is it's also super easy to abuse that. Like it's super easy to use that technology and you can, and to turn it into a highly intrusive uh, tracking system for, for people just like you have on the web today. And not everybody is on board with this idea because it can be so abused. Like Marco Arment, who does Overcast, he came right out originally and said uh, that he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna do it. He said, actually on Twitter, you can, uh, and I'll, I'll, one of the articles that quotes him, I'll, I'll link to in the show notes. But he said, yes, I understand why huge podcast companies want. This is Marco saying this. He says, quote, yes, I understand why huge podcast companies want more listener data, but there are zero advantages for listeners or app makers. I won't be supporting any listener behavior uh, tracking specs in Overcast. Podcasters get enough data from your IP address when you download episodes. End quote. So that's from like December of 2018 when this was all announced. And I've seen more tweets from Marco since then, you know, kind of reiterating his stance here. That there is no benefit to an app maker in his position to implement this. Maybe he'll be convinced otherwise. I mean, I definitely see the value in it from a publisher standpoint. And I see his point of view that as an app maker... Uh, and especially as someone who's very privacy focused, like Overcast is very privacy focused. Like he, he, Marco talks about this on his own podcasts all the time. Uh, you know, that he doesn't want, he doesn't want to be tracking information. He doesn't want any information about you, which is great. And that's also, uh, Apple stance too. And part of all this is coming from the fact that Apple won't implement this type of more intrusive, potentially intrusive, to be fair, potentially intrusive, uh, tracking technology that publishers want. So. They want, uh, uh, you know, a fully analytics-capable medium. Uh, yeah, I like this. I like this quote that he did. <laughs> he said, "Quote: Let's look at the web." This is Marco again. A quote uh, in this article from Marco. It says, "Quote: Let's look at the web. The best and most recent example of a mass market, highly diverse, mature, fully analytics-capable medium." Quote: How did that turn out for all sides involved? Is web publishing a healthy business while minimizing consumer privacy abuse? End quote. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's an excellent point there. And that's what I'm afraid is going to happen too. Uh, but <clears throat> I think the rad, I think the rad standard is going to come because uh, Overcast is a pretty big one, but Apple is the biggest podcast maker. So Apple is not going to implement this probably. If they do, it's everyone will have it basically. But if Apple doesn't, 
uh, I don't know. I mean, the podcast space moves fast, so Apple's not necessarily going to be the most dominant platform forever. I mean, just imagine if, if podcasting finally catches on on the Android side. There's just so many more potential listeners there. So uh, we'll see what happens. But if the if like a major app or a couple of apps implement this uh, and support this, and big publishers start using it, uh, it, it might be one of those inevitable things. Or you might find yourself picking your podcast player based on whether or not it supports this. Uh, as like a, like they might be advertising as a more privacy centric podcast player. You know, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, I definitely see the two as related. The the luminary and the other um, types of exclusive podcast apps and this rad standard because you know luminary is gonna <laughs> gonna do this stuff if they're not already doing more intrusive stuff because you build your own podcast app you can track all kinds of stuff i know i'm a i'm a developer uh you could theoretically track all kinds of information if you wanted to uh you know if you want to build it into your app uh so podcasting now is uh, a golden age and at the same time we're at this tipping point where Things could go a couple different directions. We could end up with a really fractured system, a really fractured environment where we have like these big companies that are maybe becoming dominant and using potentially more privacy intrusive mechanisms to track you. They could be drying up the uh, ad revenue possibilities for small podcasters, or maybe there's room for everybody. Maybe the tent's big enough and we're going to have a a vibrant podcast ecosystem. I don't know. I'm going to support the idea of a more vibrant podcast ecosystem like i i use overcast myself for podcasts i am a big proponent of keeping it as an individual or a, like a dis- distributed system for this and right now i'm kind of cautious about the whole npr rad thing uh but i think though in order to keep podcasting the vibrant medium it is you should start a podcast yourself yes you listening to me right now it's very easy to do. You could use Anchor if you want, although now they're kind of part of Spotify and a little iffy about whether that's necessarily a good idea if you want to keep things open and vibrant. But it's very easy to create a podcast. All you do is record your voice like this, and then you upload it to some podcast host. Really. I mean, it's super easy. Any podcast host you go to will have instructions about how to get it into the various directories. But it's not as hard as, it, as you might think it is. You don't need to do a lot of polish to make something useful. You don't need an expensive equipment. You can start with what you have on your iPhone, on your Mac. You can use like a mic that came with your phone, whatever. It doesn't matter. The beauty about podcasting today uh, is that people are still very tolerant of different levels of production quality. It depends on the content and whether you're connecting with your audience. And you can have a small audience and still have a big impact on them. And as I said, I've gotten some excellent feedback from people about uh, various episodes that I've done. Uh, and, you know, so, and that's with me. And I, I probably have like 15 subscribers or something. I have no idea because you can't estimate subscribers. I don't know. But I don't get a lot of downloads per episode. Uh, and yet I still am, am increasingly getting uh, feedback about it. So at least people within my personal circles are listening to it. And that's cool. So if you want to keep the independent spirit alive of, of podcasting, I highly recommend you start one. You can always stop if you don't like it. You don't have to do one daily like a crazy person like me. You can just, uh, you know, do it once a week. Do it once every two weeks. Once a month. Whatever. One time. Just do it. Make it like a project. Uh, Start something because you'll be surprised at at how much you actually have to contribute to some area, some topic. 
uh, there's there's something that comes up a lot in developer circles. Uh, new developers they come in and they are nervous about you know like blogging about topics or something because they say, well, you know, there's already lots of people who know topic A may way more than me. But the thing about teaching any topic like this is that there are people who exist at all levels of experience. And the best way of teaching somebody is to try to, is to understand a problem that or understand a topic that someone is struggling with a little bit better than the person struggling. So you can fully explain it, but you're not so far removed from that experience that you can't uh empathize with them and that you can't uh you can't format your explanation in a way that they'll understand. There's a thing that comes up with developers is after you get to a certain level of experience, you try it's it's a real skill that you have to learn and practice to be able to communicate to someone who has significantly less experience in some technology, uh, you know, in order to explain to them some topic, because there's just so many levels deep you can go down, and if you're not careful, you will just overwhelm them. But so I find that uh, whatever level you're at, and whatever topic you're interested in, like whatever level of developer you are, for instance, you can start a blog, you can start a podcast, you can talk about that thing that that topic that you're passionate about, and there's going to be people who are at your level or even earlier in their progress, and they're going to find value in it, and then as you grow your content can grow and you'll be bringing them along with you and getting new audience members as well. So like there's no there's no bad level of expertise to start uh publishing content about. There's you know, you can be complete zero beginner, never touched anything and the experience of going from zero to something is valuable. You can be an expert and you can talk about the most intricate technical aspects of some topic and that will be valuable. And you can be anywhere in between, and that will be valuable. So don't let the, uh, the thought that you don't have anything to say get in the way of doing a podcast, or a blog for that matter, or both. Because you do. I mean, your voice matters. And you, I'm sure that everybody has something that they can contribute to the world. And, you know, you should go out and do it. Because it's, it's, never, it's literally never been easier. I remember the days where I had to... You had to take a, to create a podcast. You had to manually create an RSS feed and put it on a website somewhere, and then you had to put the RSS feed into like a podcatcher. <laughs> That's what we call this offer, a podcatcher. And then the podcatcher had to had to sync with like iTunes or you know or to get into your your, your um, iPod. I remember when iTunes added i added uh, support for podcasts it was a big deal because then we could subscribe from the iTunes store and have it automatically download overnight into our iPods so we could wake up in the morning and have a fresh set of podcasts to listen to. So today it's super easy to listen, it's super easy to create. So just go do it. Support the keep the independent spirit of podcasting alive. Make a podcast today. So that's gonna be it. This is a pretty long one. Uh and I'm gonna end it here on this wild card Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed that and I will talk to you tomorrow.